Welcome to the Thrive Vineyard Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kevin Kiefer. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit thrivevineyard.com. So we are, I'm really, really happy to be back and to, to um, share with you what God is doing. Um, and one of the things that is so, so vital to us here at Thrive, we talk ad nauseum about our flames. We are a people of God that are going after God's presence and the, and the way that we want to describe this type of relationship that we are um, experiencing and will continue to experience and grow in is that we are just going to be a people that are on fire for God. And I, I wish I had better language for it than that, but you get the picture. It's just God burning on us and in us and through us, right? And so we have our, our little flames, and, um, and one of our key uh, flames, one of the things that is most important to us, it's number two, it's the activate flame, and it's the Holy Spirit activated in our lives, the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit being made manifest in us and through us. And so that's what we're going to be uh, talking about today uh, is some uh, just two of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that um, I really, really love about our movement, about the Vineyard Church in general, and about Thrive in particular, is just how biblical a movement, biblical a movement we are, right? I have honestly not found another denomination or a movement who is more true to scripture than we are. Because like I mentioned a few weeks ago, it's one thing to have good theology and theology is the foundation. We have to have it. We have to have a solid foundation on the word of God, right? Um, but it's another thing altogether to walk that theology out in its fullness, in its fullness. And that's what you guys are doing. And that's what we are endeavoring to do. James, uh, Jesus's little brother who became this amazing man of God in Jerusalem and an apostle, he said, don't be hearers of the word only, but be what? Doers of the word. And this is a doing church. You guys have been living that out. And this is particularly true, I believe, in the case of the Holy Spirit Spirit, and the person of the Holy Spirit. And it grieves me when I see people and when I see churches that have a theology of the Holy Spirit, but do not have a living practice of the person of the Holy Spirit. And they don't see the gifts of the Holy Spirit made manifest and activated in their lives. And so this is a vineyard distinctive. It's one of the things that sort of sets us apart. But what I actually love the most about the vineyard and what actually gave me the ability to attach to our movement when I was coming out of the Catholic Church is the way in which we engage in these spiritual gifts. Have you guys ever been a part of some setting where the spiritual gifts were happening, but they were happening in such a chaotic, sort of, you know, over-the-top way that it sort of left you going, ah, ah, you know what I mean? Just like crisis in the moment. Have you guys experienced that? I see a lot of nodding heads. I have experienced that as well, and it's, it's unnerving. And yet what we have discovered here in the vineyard is that we can be, and we're actually called to be what we call naturally supernatural. You guys know that phrase, right? We are a naturally supernatural people. And that means that we can engage in the, in the Holy Spirit and we can engage in the spiritual gifts in a way that is authentic and it's down to earth and it's careful with people. And most importantly, it's glorifying to God. That's what we want. We, we don't want to be the center of attention, right? We want God to get the glory and we want people to feel his love. And so the Bible teaches us 
that God gave us his spirit and he deposited his spirit in any one of us who calls Jesus Lord and that when he gave us his spirit, he also gave us supernatural gifts. Is this new news to anybody? Okay, good. So we have spiritual gifts. Now what the Bible teaches is that each of us is given probably at least one. There, We all are given one supernatural gift of the spirit. And it's this like empowerment of God that is given to us so that we can build up the church and so that we can reach people uh, outside of the church. So it's for our strengthening, it's for our encouragement, it's for our, our building up and our benefit, and it's actually really, really powerful for evangelism. And so we each have one or two maybe of these gifts at the most. Uh, do you know who actually has all the gifts? Jesus, right. Nobody said Kevin. That's fine, okay. You got the answer right. Um, that's right. Only Jesus has all of the gifts, right? And the reason I believe that he did that is because, just like Kieran was talking about in, in this gathering, we were created and called to be with each other. In other words, there is somebody sitting in these pews that is carrying the gift that you need for your life. They're carrying the thing that God wants to use to minister to you. And you are carrying the thing that another person in this room needs from God. Does that make sense? And so we need to be around each other. He uses, like he could probably tap us on the head with his little magic wand if he had one, but he chooses to use these vessels, which are you and I, right? But in, uh, in, in the midst of all of that, there is something else that's happening. And, and this is what I want to talk about today. This is the, the crux of the matter, and it's this. Not only do we each have a spiritual gift that we can use, but God can use any of us uh, to do any of the things that he wants to do. So even if you don't happen to have one particular gift or another gift, are you aware that if the Holy Spirit chooses to and you're available, God can work through you in that way? You know what I'm talking about? Like, if there is a person in front of you that um, is desperately, desperately needing to know that God cares for them, and they've been longing to hear his voice, and you're standing there, and you're available, the good news is, is that you don't have to say, I really wish I could help you, but I just don't have the prophetic gift, right? If a person is standing in front of you, and they're in need of physical healing, and you're there, and you're available, the good news is, is that you don't have to turn to them and say, I don't have the gift of miracles. I don't have the gift of healing. I'm really sorry. I wish I could help. No, God can move on us at any time. And that means that we need to open ourselves up to be available and ready for God to do whatever it is that he wants to do, given the person that is front of us. In other words, if, if you were at home, and you had like a refrigerator that needed to be moved, and you had four friends show up, and they were like, hey, we'd like to help you move the refrigerator, would you say to them, you know what, I better leave this to, to, to the professionals. I don't really need your help. I don't know if you would do that or not. I certainly wouldn't do it. And apparently God also chooses to use regular people. And that's what I love about the vineyard is that he uses regular people all the time if we are Available, And so that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about two particular spiritual gifts that some people possess in a very powerful and very supernatural way. But one of the things that we've discovered is that 
All of us can operate in these gifts, and they are so powerful at building up the church. And I want to stir us up and challenge us to become more of a Holy Spirit-empowered prophetic people. Okay, and so uh, the two gifts that I'm talking about are kind of found in this category of, they're called the revelation gifts, and there's several of them, but the two that I'm going to talk about today is we're going to talk about uh, a, a gift of, if the Bible calls it a word of knowledge, and we're going to talk about prophecy today. So word of knowledge and prophecy are the terms that the Bible uses, and we're going to talk about how God wants to stir these up in us. And even if you don't feel like you are a prophetic person, I want you to know, I don't think that I'm particularly prophetic, but you're going you're to hear some stories about that. And by the way, at the end of my sermon, I'm going to share with you my probably my favorite prophetic story uh, of something that I experienced. It's one of my favorite stories ever. I love telling it. Some of you may have heard it, but it's just one of my favorite things to share. So that's going to come at the end of the sermon. Okay. So these are what we call revelation gifts, right? And they're gifts that, that Paul talks about frequently. And so we're going to be in Corinthians, first Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to start at verse one. We'll skip just a couple of verses and we'll go all the way down to verse 11. Okay. So here are my slides up here. The tech team did an amazing job of cleaning up the mess that I made with my slides. Thank you. Uh, So it begins this way. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. There are different gifts, different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit, capital S, distributes them all, the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. It's kind of saying the same thing. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, the same God is at work. Verse 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit is given for what purpose? For the common good. Why did God give us the Spirit and the gifts? For our good, for my good, and for your good. To one is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge. We're going to talk about knowledge today by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, miracles of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, the distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. And all of these are the work of one and the same spirit as he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Okay, now we're going to talk about uh, words of knowledge and we're going to talk about prophecy. And one of the things that I just want to encourage you to not get hung up on is like the strict definition of these, or it's like, am I operating in a word of knowledge? Am I operating in like the word of wisdom or is this prophecy? Personally, it doesn't, I don't care, right? What I want us to do is understand what they are and not get up, hung up on terminology, but to really know kind of how God is working. Okay, so let's define these. Uh, the word or message of knowledge. Now, here's, here's what this is, okay? So a word of knowledge, and by the way, I drew from Randy Clark's Spiritual Gifts Handbooks kind of heavily for this. He was very, very helpful to me from this book. But a word of knowledge is this. This is supernatural knowledge that will um, reveal the truth of Scripture or it's supernatural knowledge. In other words, it's knowledge that is given, imparted to us from the Holy Spirit, from God, um, that reveals facts to us that don't come from study, they don't come from research or past experience. It really is stuff that God reveals to us or gives to us that is just kind of a download from him. And so usually what happens is it's God revealing 
what he's up to with a person or what he's going to do or what he's up to. Like we already heard some of this here at church. People were articulating to us what they heard or what they saw God was doing in the room, right? That, those were words of knowledge. And so there's a great biblical example of this in um, Acts chapter 14. Uh, and it says this, starting in verse 8, it says, In Lystra, I think it's Lystra, Lystra, whatever. In Lystra, there, was, uh, there sat a man who was crippled in his feet. He was lame from birth, and he had never walked. Well, this man was listening to the words of Paul, the Apostle Paul, who uh, looked intently at him and saw that this man had faith to be healed. And so in a loud voice, Paul called out, Stand up on your feet. And the man jumped up and began to walk. It's amazing. Paul, Paul was teaching and preaching, and then he looks at this guy, and he sees in the spirit, and he sees in his face that this man has the faith dwelling in him in that moment. God revealed it for him to be healed on the spot. And so what Paul did is, did is he just spoke out what God was doing, and he said, get up. And the man didn't get up. He leaped up like he was on a pogo stick or something like that, Right? So that is how these words, of, they reveal what God is up to. Um, in our family's life, there was a really, really vivid example of this for me. There was a number of years ago where one of my kids um, sort of inexplicably began to sort of unravel and spiral downward in just, they were just going through a really, really hard time. And this kid of ours, it just, it was like over a period of maybe 48 hours, it just seems like, they just got more and more frustrated, more and more upset, more and more inconsolable. And Molly and I tried to talk to this kid, and we tried to encourage them, and we prayed for them. And it just seemed to get worse and worse and worse over a period of two days. And uh, towards the end of the second day, I was standing in front of this kid, and I'm like so perplexed, and I didn't know what to do. And suddenly, out of nowhere, this phrase popped into my head, and I knew it was the Lord instantly. And, and the Lord just said, this is spiritual. That's all, that's all, that was the only message I got. This is spiritual. And as soon as I heard that, I knew it was the Lord. And so I did a prayer of warfare over this child. And I said, in the name of Jesus, I bind you, Satan, every power, every principality, every harassing spirit, every lying spirit, every accusing spirit, I bind you and I cast you out right now. That's all I said. And as soon as I did that, this child burst into tears, threw their arms around me, and we hugged for a few minutes. And from that point on, their whole countenance changed. It was done. It was broken off of them. And I wouldn't have known it had the Lord not spoken this word of knowledge because Molly and I had tried for days to figure out how to help my kid. But the Lord knew. And as soon as he spoke it, I obeyed. And this child of mine was set free. And so these words of knowledge are so, so powerful because they let us know what God is doing and what he wants to manifest in that setting. And they're also, they're great for praying for, for healing, for physical healing. And it's really amazing uh, how God works actually in, in evangelism through these words of knowledge. So in the case of like physical healing, one of the things that we've discovered over the years is that oftentimes when people come up to, to receive prayer, let's say they're struggling with some sort of a physical issue. Well, it's not infrequent. It's not all the time, of course, but it's not infrequent that, that the physical manifestation, whatever it is that they're struggling with, may have some sort of a spiritual root to it. And so oftentimes what the Lord will do is he'll speak to us and say, hey, I want you to pray for this thing. And the guy, um, the guy that started the, the, uh, the vineyard, Anybody know his name, the dude that started the vineyard? 
John Wimber, good job. You know your history. So Wimber was uh, a guy that made himself available to the Lord. And he wrote uh, a story in his book called Kingdom Mercy. And he, he talked about this encounter that he had with this woman after one of his services. The woman came up to get prayer for, um, she had really bad arthritis. And she had some sort of issue with her digestive tract. And so John began to pray for healing for her. But suddenly, um, the Lord spoke to him. And the Lord said, this is an issue of bitterness and unforgiveness. She's angry with somebody. And so John stopped praying and he said, um, are you angry with anyone? And she said, absolutely not. I'm not. And then he said, well, are you angry with your sister? And her jaw dropped and she said, how did you know that? And he said, that's what I felt the Lord speak to me. And so she began to tell him uh, what was going on in her relationship with her sister, and she prayed for uh, forgiveness, and she prayed for the ability to just release her sister to the Lord, and John prayed blessing on that, and then he encouraged her to write a letter to her sister to reconcile, and what she reported is that at the moment that she put that letter in the mailbox, about 80% of her healing took place, all the pain went away, and uh, after a few days later, all of that arthritis and whatever was going on with her digestive tract was gone. It was all gone. And it was because Wimber was listening to the Lord, and the Lord pointed him towards this idea that the issue had to do with bitterness and unforgiveness. I read this, uh, this amazing story. Uh, that, so let's talk about evangelism for a second. I really, really love this. Sometimes people out there will absolutely be blown away if we make ourselves available to listening to the voice of God because God will speak something to us to reveal to the person that we're talking to that God knows them and that he cares about them, right? And so uh, I read the story about this guy named Father Matthias. He's actually a, a Catholic priest, and uh, he was in his uh, rectory with his priest buddies, and but he was like sort of an evangelist type of a guy. And so he called, the, they were about to do dinner, and he called a pizza place, and he, he was ordering pizza. And on the phone, uh, he was talking to this woman, and the woman just was like really, really gregarious, and Father Matthias could could sense that she was open, like she was open to the gospel. And so he began to just like tell her about Jesus and tell her about the gospel. And as he was talking to her, he, all of a sudden he had this thought, and he said, you know what? I can just see a picture of you standing in front of a mirror with these beautiful earrings in your ears, and I see Jesus looking over you with so much love and so much adoration of who you are. And after he said that, uh, he wrote that the, the other end of the line was completely silent, completely silent. And the, finally, after about a minute or so, the woman said, I'm shaking right now. She said, how did you know? And he said, what? He said, yesterday, I was feeling so down. I was feeling so broken and so sad. And the only thing that I knew to do is to go out and buy these earrings that I really, really have wanted for a long time. And they made me feel better. And Father Matthias said, Jesus sees you and he knows you and he loves you. And her heart melted. And then her boss came in and she, had, she hung up the phone. <laughs> so, so that was it, right? He never got, I don't know if he got his pizza or not. But that's how God moves. And so this word of knowledge that God can put into our hearts if we're listening and if we're available and we're willing to speak it can just touch people's lives so powerfully. The second one I want to talk about. So you guys with me so far? Let's talk about prophecy for a second. So prophecy is speaking a message, and I know that most of you guys know this, but it's speaking a message that is 
divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit, and it's especially for the blessing and the encouragement, the edification, the building up of the church. And again, I think it's also used very powerfully for reaching the lost around us, right? And so Paul, the Apostle Paul, felt very strongly about this gift of prophecy. He loved and wanted the whole church to operate in the gift of prophecy. He felt like it was such an important gift. As a matter of fact, it is the only spiritual gift that is found in literally every single one of Paul's lists of spiritual gifts. And so I've got some scriptures for you just to, to kind of rapid fire for you. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, Paul said, follow the way of love. As a matter of fact, all of the spiritual gifts are always preceded by love. And the love is the caboose. They're surrounded by love. We never operate in anything before we get love going first. So follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the spirit church, especially what? Prophecy, especially prophecy. Verse 5, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, he says, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. In the church context, Paul loved this gift of prophecy. Tongues are are a, a language that is only spoken to God and understood by God unless there's an interpretation, but prophecy is for our building up. Finally, just a little guy, verse 39, Paul says, eagerly desire to prophesy. Eagerly desire it. So prophecy, it can take on a whole bunch of different forms. It can be used for guidance. Like when Paul and Barnabas were sent on their first missionary journey, the Lord spoke prophetically to them to go uh, on that missionary journey. It can be, it can come in the forms of dreams and visions. So like there's so many people in the New Testament who had these visions. Uh, Ananias, Paul, Cornelius, Peter, they all had really, really vivid visions from God. Uh, Joseph, Jesus's, you know, human father, his stepdad, He had no less than four dreams that articulated what God was up to and what Joseph was supposed to do in this chaotic time where Jesus was being born and hunted after and things like that, right? And so prophecy can sort of include what are, what's in people's hearts and how God sees them. Uh, it, it, it can, and it can just include occasionally, um, sometimes it is forward telling. It's like telling us what God is going to do. It can be sending, but, but generally in the New Testament, what we see is it's, it's a now thing. It's for the moment right now and it's meant to build, uh, people up. Now, one of the things that is really, really important to me and to the Lord, um, and one of the things that we notice is that God will never reveal something about any one of us to a person that will misuse that, right? We care so deeply that the gifts are used with honor to God, care for people that were authentic, and we always encourage people. If anybody ever gives you a prophetic word, we encourage you to test it. Test it against scripture. Test it in your own heart. See if it fits. And sometimes it won't. And if it doesn't, then there's a, there's great space to just move away from it. To just, you know, we, we're just trying here. We're just pilgrims on the journey. Okay. So Paul wants to stir up prophecy in this church. He wants to stir up these supernatural gifts of this words of knowledge in here because God is dynamic and he wants to speak to us and he wants to speak through us. And I just wonder, can you guys imagine? what our lives would be like if every person in this room and every person out there that is watching were completely available to God. If he wanted to speak, that you would be completely ready to be used by God to speak or do whatever it is that he wanted. Would this place be different? 
if his words never got stopped up in our hearts? Isn't that the most amazing thing to think about? And so I want to just talk about how we can actually like see this come to pass in our church. This is something that we have to stir up in us, right? Um, I know that we all, how many of you guys would, have you ever had somebody share uh, a, a prophetic word with you that absolutely just touched your life? Has that happened to you? Do you want more of that? We all do, right? So how can we do that? Well, I've been praying. I knew about that I was going to give you this talk for, for probably six, eight weeks now. And I've been thinking about it for nearly that long. And I have been racking my brain to find a way to, to make this super easy for you. I've tried to find a way with the Lord that would make this really easy, really palatable, non-intrusive in your life. And I said, Lord, is there anything that I could say that will make it just like serve it up on a platter? And he answered. You know what he said? No. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> right? So this is going to be a challenge for us. We're going to have to lean into this. This is going to cost us, you guys. If we want to be a person who sees the power of God move on us, if we want to be a person who sees the power of God move through us, the reality is, is that it will cost us. We will have to pay. We will have to change. We will have to open up our lives, and we will have to take risks. And what I've kind of been left with is that we will need to engage in training and risk-taking if we want to become a people where the power of God moves more powerfully, more frequently, even freely through us. It will take training, and it will take risk-taking. Okay, And so the training that I'm talking to you about you're going to have to figure it out for yourself. But the idea is this. We're going to have to learn how to somehow listen to God when we are with people. It's like L-shaped listening, right? Because what we're wanting is that when we encounter people in our lives, that's the precise moment when we're talking, when I'm talking to Janet, what God wants is for me to be also listening to the Lord. That's the time. That's the moment when the rubber meets the road. When I'm talking to Laura, as I'm listening to her, I need to develop a facility and an ability to be listening. Lord, what is it that you're speaking right now? What is it that you're doing right now in Laura's life? And that, for me, does not come naturally. As a matter of fact, I have a difficult time just paying attention to you all by yourselves, right? Like, I don't know if you're... I shouldn't have said that out loud, but... uh, if I ever don't remember something, it's because I just wasn't with you. Um, so we have, to, we have to engage. We have to slow down our lives. We have to become a people who start to tune in and train ourselves moment by moment, not just day by day, but moment by moment to become aware of what God is doing, to become aware of what the Holy Spirit is doing. And that will not come easily. It will be a training issue. I don't know if you need to write something down in your phone and do a chime. I, I, my, I, I was around uh, the Elgin Vineyard Church, the, the senior pastor there, Tom Severson. He would occasionally carry a stopwatch around his neck, and it would go off like every 10 minutes. It was like super annoying. But he did that because he wanted to be reminded of the presence of God. Because I know what happens. Like tomorrow comes, and you probably start your day with some sort of connection with God, however that looks. But by 10.30 in the morning, God is mostly gone. And by 4 o'clock, he's completely gone, right? Yet somehow, we need to be a people that cultivate this presence of God regularly, Uh, during the course of our day. And somehow, you have a way to do this. 
You'll figure this out. And the idea is to, to, to develop this love and this paying attention, this paying attention to God and this paying attention to what he's up to, to just say, God, what are you doing right now in Molly's life? How can I, how can I join what you are doing, right? And so there's that. This will take effort, right? Um, and I want you to just like lean into this week. I want to encourage you to just sort of ask yourself, do I want this? Do I want this? Because it will come at some cost. Do I want to be a person that God can speak through? Do I want to be a person who will venture out and speak your words to people around me? And if you want it, then between you and the Lord, say, Lord, show me the way. Show me how to do this. Show me a way that will make this work. Okay? Does that make sense? All right. Now, um, here's here's the next thing that I want to kind of challenge us about, and it's this. Not only will it take us training ourselves and listening and pressing this in, we'll forget and then we have to come back to it, but it will also take, I believe, a high level of risk. It will take risk. Whenever we step out into the unknown and start to endeavor to hear God's voice and to to speak what we believe God is saying for anybody else other than ourselves, that puts us at risk, doesn't it? puts us at risk of feeling foolish. It puts us at risk at being wrong. It puts us at risk of like just, it, it just gobbles up time in our day. We just want to keep moving and this takes time, right? And so what I'm uh, calling us to will take courage from every one of us, right? Here's the thing here in the vineyard. Um, and you've heard this before, probably from other churches, but we really do spell faith R-I-S-K, Right. There is no growing faith. There is no following Jesus. There's no being available to him that does not require high levels of risk on uh, on our parts. And I myself, just believe me when I tell you that the Lord has spoken to me for people and it has just gotten stopped up because I was either too lazy, too busy, or too scared to share what I thought he was saying because I just didn't want to, I don't want to be wrong. I didn't want to be weird. I didn't want to take the time. Does that, has that ever happened to you guys? You felt like God was speaking and you just was like, I just can't do it right now. I can't do it. Well, we have to bust through this as a church. God is calling us out of our sleepy, run-of-the-mill, natural lives. He's calling us into a supernatural life. And I have to tell you that so much of my life is not supernatural. It's natural. And I want God to use me and to stir me up to become a person who can, he can speak through at any time. You want to hear my fun story? About three years ago, um, we had Alan Scott, who's like a dear friend of ours. He's a pastor um, out in California. He's an Irish dude. Uh, he's actually Scottish, but he pastored in an Irish church for a really, really long time. And we had him here to speak and um, so he ministered to the church here. But one of the things that we also did is we had a group of, uh, we got a, a gathering of pastors to come. And Alan came to minister to this, to this like semi-large group of pastors, maybe 30 guys, or men and women downstairs. And so um, I, we had this group of pastors down there. And I said, okay, Alan, you know, your time to speak or whatever. And so he began his talk uh, this way. He said, he looked around the room and he said, does the date March 18th? mean anything to anyone in here. And by the way, this is a group of pastors from like all different churches, all different sort of walks of life, all different walks of Christianity. He said, does the date March 18 mean anything to anyone? 
And there was like silence in the room, right? It didn't mean anything to me. Otherwise, I would have said something. And for like, I don't know, 45 seconds, nobody said anything. And then in the way back, there was this young youth pastor guy, and he slipped up his hand and he goes, that might be my wife's birthday. <laughs> I was like, what? And then he got out his phone and he's like, nope. <laughs> I'm like, I immediately began interceding for this man. <laughs> like, Lord, help them. Help this marriage. Like, I had no idea what was going on, right? So that was one of the goofiest things I have ever heard in my whole life, right? And it turned out that Alan's, you know, that he was hearing March 18, it didn't hit. Nobody in the room, it made no sense to anybody, except it was a humongous, important hit in this regard. Alan was training himself to take a risk. He was training himself to listen to the Lord. He was training himself to be obedient to God. And that is the win. That is the story. That's what I want us to champion here. I want us to be super excited about anyone that would venture out and say, does this mean anything to you? This is what I'm hearing the Lord say. If we will do that, we will see God do so many amazing things. The accuracy thing is the icing on the cake, but it's not the cake. And what we'll, what we'll learn is that the only way to hear God more and more clearly, assuming that we're, we're being biblical, is to keep trying. It's to keep speaking. God will tune us in as we step out of the boat, right? Peter had to step out of the boat before he could walk on water. And we will only walk on water when we step out of the boat. And so you know what? Because we're all in this together, this place is a safe place for us. And what I want you to do is this. I want you to find some people in this room. I want you to find some people in your rooted group or in your small group or wherever it is. And I want you to just say to them over the next couple of weeks, hey, I'm, I'm just trying to grow in this prophetic thing. I'm just trying to grow in this hearing God's voice thing. And I'm wondering if I could listen for a moment and speak to you what I hear God saying. Would it be okay if I did that with you? Now, how many of you guys would be willing to let someone do that with you? So most of you, handful of you are like, no, I don't get, don't get anywhere. No, I know all of you are available for that, right? No one here would say, no, thanks. And what I want to do is I want this to be a place where we are growing together. We're pilgrims in the journey. We don't have it perfected, but we're just trying to learn the voice of God. And so I want you to do it with people in this room. I just want you to say, hey, I'm just practicing. I want to pray for you. And I'm just going to ask God to speak. And hopefully he'll say something that's helpful. And then you could say, did that make any sense? Is that on? And they could say, yeah, that really helped. Or I, I'm not sure, but I'll pray about it. But let's get really, really uh, experimental here. Let's try to lean into this, all right? You could also do this with your family. But we just need to develop a language of offering what it is that we hear God speaking. Does that make sense to you guys? And I cannot wait to see what the Lord does. And the Lord kind of confirmed this to me. I'm going to wrap up now. But I, uh, I, I've been like just thinking and praying about this, and I felt like the Lord confirmed that this is a now time for us in this, just this last week. Because over the last 10 days, I've been gone to, uh, I was in Phoenix for a little while, and over the last 10 days, two times, and the two is like a confirming number for me, um, someone that I hardly knew uh, came up to me and said, hey, 
Kevin, I want you to know that you prophesied over me X number of years ago, and it deeply, deeply impacted my life. And in both of those examples, I want you to know that I had no recollection whatsoever of prophesying over either of these two people, but for them, the Lord moved and the Lord spoke, and it just opened my eyes to how powerful and amazing God is if we will be available. And I want you to know that if you feel like I am not prophetic, I will tell you I am not either. I am just an ex-Catholic dude who is kind of like just trying to figure all this out as well. But if God can use me, I promise you, he can use you and he can make a huge impact in people's lives. That makes sense? Why don't we stand up?